Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, coming at you on a Wednesday morning. Charlie Long is in the house. Charlie, so uh, sons and four. I mean, is this what we're rocking Jeez, with now. Are you? Are you? Are you just leaning into the meme? I'm sticking are you with holding sons up and six. the four horsemen sign. Are you overwhelmed by their dominant performance last night? Overwhelmed, yeah. They looked great. They what the Bucks looked overwhelmed. Bobby Portis looked overwhelmed yeah. when Chris Paul just had him on skates and was. Uh, what a game by Chris Paul! You know, we were talking. I guess, gosh, yesterday for some reason it was a long day yesterday. I was about to say last week. This was yesterday. It's like Chris Paul, man. I think NBA Finals MVP odds. I think I would lean toward him. He certainly looked Definitely. like it last night. Definitely. There's been a couple of games where he's turned back the clock in this postseason, but specifically that third quarter, he turned back the clock like a decade. He accounted for like 23 of Phoenix's 35 points. He had 16 points scored in the quarter. He was just going off. And Coach Budenholzer, uh, if you listened to Lynn and I on the radio a couple weeks ago, I had I don't have a lot of very nice things to say about Coach Bud. I think I think he's a very poor coach. Um, his in-game adjustments in that game were just terrible. They just kept Monty outcoached him just significantly. They kept switching. Chris Paul and Devin Booker onto Brooke Lopez and Bobby Porters and kept cooking them. Yeah, and there was no answer. If you like, there was if, no if, response. If you're not going to be able to go over, like they just killed him on the pick and roll. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, Chris Paul's a master of it. He really is. He's just a maestro when it comes to that part of the game, and um, he's a hell of a game. Now, now you know you're you're trashing a guy that's in the NBA Finals. I I, I said this before we went on the air. I feel like Coach. Bud is more of a game-to-game adjustment guy than an in-game adjustment guy. We'll see. That's not a compliment. I think yeah. it's, it's just it's just analysis. I'm not I'm not trying to defend him. I will say that you saw Milwaukee in each of their series this postseason when when they've had a night where like everything was going wrong, they've come back the next night and had a different game plan that seems to work better. Um, maybe I mean, look, you, you you see him on the you see him on the bench. He just he kind of looks. Fried at times. He just kind of looks frazzled. Like, yeah. what do I do? Oh, my God. Then he gets a chance to watch tape. Whereas, you know, I love Monty, and Monty's very good. But you've also got Chris Paul, who's just a basketball savant that's running the show for you on the floor. And I think that helps when it comes to in-game adjustments. You know, how quickly can your players adjust? Who's the guy on the floor that's going to help everybody immediately adjust? Are they in sync with the head coach? You know, I think Coach Bud's very good at reading his players' sort of bodies, knowing when they need to rest. Like he's, I think there are some aspects of the game he is good at. Specific in-game adjustments when something's just not working. Um, he's, I think we we have, you know, we have a big enough sample size now to be like, yeah, I wouldn't list that as one of his strengths. But you just think he's garbage. You don't even think he's a good coach. I, I'm not a fan of Bud at all. I think that if they win this series, it won't be because of Bud. That's just. That is that is stone cold, Charlie Long. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I think that they have plenty of talent on that team um, that can prove that they can win. I, I mean, they they've won the East, and I don't think that was necessarily because of Coach Bud. Let's uh, let's take a look at um, the aspect of last night's game that I think if it's one of those deals where it happens every night, it's over. 
the Suns' big three all were like tremendous. Aside from, I guess, uh, you know, Devin, great game in terms of beyond the arc, like three point shooting. Yeah. Other than that, like Paul Booker, Aiton had what twenty two and nineteen. Yeah, twenty two and nineteen. I mean, like that's not even like the one of the top, you know, two or three stories coming out of that game. That's what's amazing Which about what Aiton did and what the Suns did last night. I had 22 and 19. It's like, oh, yeah, remember that? So when they get that kind of performance from those three guys, they're going to be awfully tough to beat. But but what gave me some hope last night about this series being a good series, because I, I said this to to you yesterday. I said this to Jay yesterday. I I, I don't think every game in the series is going to be close, and last night wasn't. Um but I do think it had. I, I I predicted it could go seven games. The thing that made me hesitant was Giannis's health. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy looked like twenty twelve Adrian Peterson. Like what? What ligaments? Now I know he didn't tear anything like Peterson yeah. did, but like, you know, everyone looks at Peterson as sort of like this this freak outlier. Of my goodness, like I can't believe he had that season in twenty twelve after everything that happened to him. I know that Giannis, it was just last week and he didn't tear any ligaments. But when you saw it, Charlie, you were like, like if that was you, like you probably, like if that was me, I, I shouldn't speak for you. If that was me, they probably would have had to take my leg. Like yeah. I would have just, my knee would have just get been the done. hacksaw out. You know? Yeah, it would have just been done. Bite like, down the towel. Over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just take us back to like the Renaissance. <laughs> like, ah, give me some whiskey. And I was walking around like a, you know, like a pirate. But yeah, your peg you, leg. You're watching it and you're like, like how what, he's on the bench now? Like what's going oh, on? And then yesterday morning begins as he's he's doubtful. Mm-hmm. Then it's uh, now he's questionable. Then the game starts. You're like he's the most athletic player on the floor by a mile. They announced it 30 minutes before the game started, um, and he didn't look. And so, he, he didn't. He looked good. Dude, you saw Trey Young on Saturday, right? Like you saw Anthony Davis Trey, when when they he, forced him to play. He was just not. Yeah. You know, with Davis, it was they had no business doing that. Right. But like Young was trying to gut it out, and it was clear. Like okay, he's. He's hurt. He's he's not himself. If you didn't know anything going into last night's game and you just watched it, you've been like, oh, well, that's the most athletic guy on the floor by a mile. Wait, he did what to his knee? Like, let me show you this video. God, was that a few years ago? No, that was last week. Yeah. Truly the Greek freak. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, as you said, the most athletic player on the floor, and he looked like it. He, Him and Aiton um, both had double-doubles where they had over 20 points and f- over 15 rebounds. And they were the first two to do that in a finals debut. I, I saw the stat since Tim Duncan in 1999. Two of them in the same game. It's been 22 years, and it happened twice in the same game for ES- a finals debut. It was e- incredible. Yeah, ESPN 14-20. It really was, man. I, I, I was just like that when Giannis did the – Did you see the chase down block? That was just – that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like remember when LeBron did it, like I don't know, what was it five years ago? Yeah, that was, was during the 2016 finals. Lipping out. That's what, what I. That's what it felt like when Giannis did it. The fact that he went, got up, grabbed that thing, played thirty-five minutes last night. Only Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton um, played more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis was. It would have been a good performance. Like his, he was the only guy aside from like maybe like Jeff Teague or Conant, like some guys on the bench. He was the only starter. In terms of the plus-minus statistic, that was that was, positive. That was a positive last mm-hmm. night out of the Milwaukee starters. Um, so he was he was making a difference. Uh, you know, the free throws are, yeah, but it was over fifty percent last night. That's all you really expect from him. Seventeen at this point. boards for Giannis. Yeah, 
17 and 20. And so I, I, I'm joking because it's fun to say Suns and four and the meme and the guy holding up the, the four, but th- this this thing, I don't think it's Suns and four. I think it's this such a rallying cry for that, for that like city, you know, just that random dude that got viral on Twitter for getting into a fight and saying beating Suns. up a yeah. Nuggets fan. That we should add poured a beer on him and the dude, yeah, just no, of course, around. And then, you know, Suns and Four. <laughs> you'll four. you'll look at the crowd, like they'll pan to the crowd and they'll have like the four side up. That guy's living dude, his it's best game one. Life. That <laughs> dude's living his best life right now. I know, it's so funny. It's just like they're calling the sweep after game one, but it's just like they're rallying cry. Like I can understand that. I don't know what it is about ESPN fourteen twenty. Scott Pray the Charlie Long. Phone lines are open. Two six nine ten seventy seven. Three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. I don't know what it is about that like seeing them. I don't, there's something like really cool. Like they just look like they're like throwing a giant party. Yeah. And like, and at the same time, they somehow are like throwing a party and locked into their team. Mm-hmm. You you could say, man, I've been to a sporting event and a fan base. They just, they're, the game's just kind of on the side. They just like to like, you know, yuck it up, maybe have a few cold ones or hard ones and then, you know, the game's just kind of like the extra dressing. This is like the, the, the Suns fans combination of two where they're totally locked in, but it looks like, you know, it's some party at some, like, uh, decent apartment complex that happens to have, like, a beach volleyball court, and everyone's just hanging out at the court, and they're, like, playing music. I don't really play beach volleyball, but right now, you know, I had a margarita or two. Let me jump in there. This is fun. All the music's playing. Everybody's feeling themselves. I, I'm... I'm I'm doing a poor job right now. I know that, Charlie, but I'm trying to, like, how do you describe the Suns fans, like, in a vacuum at their games? And then last night was a finals game, and it was like, Denton, man. I mean, all all the arenas, they didn't have much fans in it. And I know they couldn't have completely full capacity, but they had over 16,000 there last night. It's like, that that feels infectious. That feels like a crowd. I wish I could be there. A hundred percent. Like, that city is so starved for success. You know, in in basketball, the Suns have had decent success in the past couple decades, but in recent years, they've been pretty terrible up to this year, where Chris Paul and Monty Williams just seem to have completely reinvigorated this team with all the young talent that they have around them. Um, It just seems like a party. Like, uh, you you see the atmosphere. Whenever they show the crowd, the crowd is really, really into it. And that's what the playoff atmosphere is all about. That's what we missed last year during the bubble. Yeah. Like, that's that's one of the best parts about the NBA playoffs right. is the crowd. Compare that really to the bubble it. where it was just like kind of It was like, like a, a gym. Like a it was scrimmage. shooting in a gym. It was you just know. like no one no one really cares about weird. this. Well, you'd hear it. You're like, but that's that, that's not real noise. That's not real crowd yeah, noise. Yeah, it was, it, was it was all fabricated. It's a computer. Yeah, exactly. Um. I mean, like I still watch the games, no, but I did too. It, the the missing element of the crowd. It's like it's it's almost it's perfect so good to have it back. That Phoenix is the is the the Western. And look, I think I think the Bucks fans will bring it. And they're they're look they're loud and they're they're a good fan base. But you don't get that party feel that you get with the Phoenix fans, man. They're just so hip. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They're just the so valley. They're they're. Uh, Good for them, man. Yeah. Um, I, I like Milwaukee's crowd too, though. I mean, they got they have a really cool thing. Kind of reminds me of Toronto with Deer Park and how the, yeah. the Raptors had uh, what was it the Jurassic, Jurassic Park? Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's just a, a park thing. I you know if the Pelicans ever get good, which you know who knows at this point, 
couple years down the line if they get that good and, and the city really gets behind them. We could only dream. Maybe they could have something like that where they do it in Champion Square, right? Where they have a crowd outside oh. look, watching the game. They're in the finals, it's on, yeah, bro. Exactly. That's it's what I'm saying. On, but man. like if they get to the playoffs and start making a deep run in the playoffs in a the couple doc. years. Who would the you doc? call it? Oh the, god. The <laughs> well, it seems like everyone's going with like a park theme, right? Like Jurassic Park, Deer Park, Pelican, Pelican Park, Park is like a baseball plate. No, that's, that's you got you got to come on. We got to come up with something different. The Dock, it's New Orleans. No, I mean the Dock is lame. It can't be the Dock, but yeah. it's got to be something better. No, we'll have to think of one. That's kind of putting me on the spot. The Nest, exactly. the Bird's the Nest, Bird's Nest. I don't know. We we have we have one. You know, look, I'll stand by this. I think the Blender is one of the cooler nicknames in like in a basketball arena. In terms personally. of the arena, yeah, but. The blender. It, just, I, it makes me think of like that awful ride at like the carnivals that like, <laughs> yeah, is like guaranteed to make your kid throw up. That's uh-huh. what that's what I think of with the blender. The blender. I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's 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 got charm. Um, guys, be careful out there on the roads. Uh, traffic report we're getting here in the last few minutes. If you're heading I-10 West, the right lane remains blocked on I-10 West past LA-347 in Henderson due to a disabled tractor trailer, and uh, the traffic congestion is approaching two miles in length. So for any of you listening on the stream or on the ESPN 1420 app this morning that might be coming back this way, uh, whether it be from Baton Rouge, New Orleans, what have you, um, may want to consider an alternative route, you know, check it out there, but be safe out there. Weather update, expect more uh, rain here in the um, <clears throat> coming days. Maybe a drier weekend, but today partly cloudy. 60% chance of uh, sporadic showers, high of 85. Tonight, partly cloudy, 40% chance of showers, low of 75. I'm Scott Prather. That's Charlie Long. Phone lines are open at 269-1077, 269-1077. Hottest take from last night's game. What you got? Hottest take? Give me a spicy take. Mm. Was Drew like the worst starter? No, Jay Crowder was the worst starter. I mean, Drew Drew had Drew had a rough Drew night. Drew had a really rough Drew, night. Drew had a rough night. Yeah. It I was mean, it was it was a bad it was a bad performance for him. I don't but that's I can't say that he was the worst starter. So Jay Crowder just had a terrible night as well. He was like 0 for 8 and 0 for 5 from 3. But they won, so it's like no one even it's sort of like, I don't know, I'll kind of piggyback off of what you said. I think with the way Giannis looked, it's just going to be a long series. I, I just, I think that they'll defend home court. I think they go down 2-0, and as I said, I'm sticking with my, with my prediction. They go down 2-0, they win their next two at home to tie it up, and then Phoenix wins the final two. All right, there you have it. I, 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 feel, like, I feel like tomorrow night we're going to get something um, a little different. But I think, again, I think Milwaukee adjusts better game-to-game game than they do in-game, and Phoenix... I'm interested to see more, their adjustments. More rested team at home. Yeah. They had all the juice behind them. Like, they weren't going to lose that game no. last night unless somebody got, like, you know, injured in a bad way or anything. Like, they just weren't. I think things settled down a little bit. We're going to have a much closer game on uh, on Thursday night. I really believe that. But give us your spicy take uh, at ESPN 1420. That's the, the, the Twitter handle. On our Facebook page, we got the graphic up as well, the ESPN 1420 Facebook page. Check it out there. ESPN1420.com. You want to read more about last night's game. You want to check out um, the latest on LSU's new baseball hire. They have a pitching coach, uh, and they got two more. But you can read more about Jason Kelly. A lot going on. We have a, a listener submission for a potential name if the Pelicans are ever 
any good uh-huh. to the point where if they were in the playoffs oh, for, or the finals or the conference name. finals, which they've never been to, uh, if people went to Champion Square, um, he, uh, Jay emails, he says, the sanctuary. Sanctuary? Okay. Oh, like a wildlife sanctuary? Okay. It took me a second, but yeah, that sounds... Not, not bad. bad. It's not bad. It's better than Pelican Point in the dock. <laughs> Pelican Point. That God. That's probably what they go with. No, you can't look. Oh no, I said I can't go with the dock. No, but you get, you just Park. threw it a new one. Yeah, Pelican no, I Point. I, I, I meant to say Pelican Park. <laughs> not as yeah. bad as Pelican, Pelican Park. Pelican Park is better than Pelican Point. I disagree. No, I opposite. disagree. I meant the other way. No, you Pelican Point is. Come better on, Charlie. Wake up. I know. Wake seven up, seven man. eighteen. <laughs> Let's go, man. I see. Uh huh. ESPN fourteen twenty. This sanctuary. Anyway. Sanctuary. We'll talk more about last night's game, what to come, uh, what comes up in game two, and um, an NIL situation. It's funny, but talking about name, image, likeness, and how different schools it'll it'll just depending on where you are in the country, it'd be very different, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in Utah, it's gonna be different than if you're in, um, you know, LA. If you're in Miami, if you're at the University of Miami, it might be a little different. In fact, there's somebody that. Is a booster, likes to fight, that has a good plan in store to pay a lot of players legally that might go to the University of Miami. We'll give you the details on that. Nikhil Airy, his agent yesterday, says, get my guy out of New England. Yikes. Saints fans are like, yeah, yeah, we'll no, take no, no, it. No, no, and no, I'm no, telling no. you guys, no. I'll, I, there's, Put up the stop sign. There's something easy to read about that situation that I'm, I'm you know, Charlie's got some thoughts, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what that message really means from his agent yesterday. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. It's ESPN1420.com. And for those of you listening on the ESPN1420 Listen Live app, whether it be on your uh, mobile device, connect to car, smart speakers, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Great sports callers up with Think Tank. Charlie's got nothing. Pelican Point, Pelican Park. I'm trying, man. Like a, the sanctuary. The sanctuary is pretty cool. There's something like kind of like I don't know. Icy. Like man. Jurassic Park is a really cool name for the Raptors. It's it 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 is. It's somehow is there some kind of famous it's movie that involves pelicans? Good. It, it's somehow good and corny at the same yeah. time. Like it's like okay, that's I get it. Like all right, I mean it's a little cheesy, but it's, it's too, cheesy. But it's, it's, it's too cool. it's too fitting. There's yeah. you can't not do it. Definitely. I mean, heck, that's the only reason your name is the Raptors because when you came out with the franchise, the first Jurassic Park movie was popular. It had recently come mm-hmm. out, and prior to that, no one growing up when I was young before Jurassic Park was like, "Ooh, cool, a raptor." It yeah. was a T-Rex, all right? Right. Maybe a Stegosaurus, maybe, you know, Triceratops, right? Land Before Time stuff. But nobody was like, raptors. And then Jurassic Park came out, and they're like, oh, damn, mm-hmm. raptors. Vicious. 
dinosaurs seem to have like a resurgence around the early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like or, like the, the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, man, my kid loves dinosaur stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's reading about them, knows about them. He, uh, there was like a, a Jurassic, <coughs> excuse me, there was like a cartoon series on Netflix, and I think they had like three seasons, and it's these like group of kids that go to work at like a, a summer camp in Jurassic World, and then a, you'll never guess yeah. what happens next. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, they're <laughs> stuck on the island with dinosaurs, but- uh, Oh, it was, shucks. We, you know, he- um, I don't know. I think it's like TVY seventy six. But recently, kind of started to watch it with him, and uh, and I even found myself. I mean, it was all you know your tropes and typical stuff right. you see in in those things. But I was like, oh, man, like I remember when this thing, like when the first movie came out twenty eight years ago, and it has just been huge. I mean, when that technology came out in ninety three, it was like mind blowing. It really was. Yeah. And then Jumanji, not the one with the rock, the one with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. came out a summer or two later, and they used the same technology, but it was on like regular animals, like tigers and lions, and you know, gorillas, and I don't remember all the animals in the original Jumanji. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I just remember David Allen Greer screaming on top of his cop car as all this water poured down the street. But I just remember being like. It doesn't look as good. And right. then it's like, well, yeah, because no one's actually seen what a real dinosaur looks like. We just think we have because it's been drawn or painted or, or represented. So because you don't know what it actually looks like, you see it in Jurassic Park and you're like, oh, cool. I know what actual lion looks like. That looks just a li- something a little bit off with it. This is one of those weird tangents to go off on, Charlie. You're supposed to reel me back in. Oh, no, it's fine. I That's when you're like, it. Scott, Nikhil Harry, NBA Finals, something. <laughs> the Miami Hurricanes. So Miami Hurricanes? Yeah, Miami Hurricanes. The, the Miami college, Hurricanes. College sports. NIL. Yep. All right, name, image, likeness. You got, what are we, seven days into it now? Doesn't it seem like it's been longer? Yeah, definitely. Because people, <laughs> just, it feels like it's been longer because people have been going crazy over it one way or the other, you know? And and it all started, like, as soon as it got announced. Like, so many people, so many athletes started announcing, like, dealers, like, Deals with different. Some companies. were ready. They yeah. were. They were. They were. They were ready, like the willing, day and able. of. Like it was, it was incredible. Ready, willing, and able. Um, so the owner of a, a a lot of MMA gyms in Miami, um, I think the gyms are called American Top Team. So the owner of these, the guy that started these, is named Dan Lambert, and he um, played at Miami when he was younger. And he's like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And these gyms, from what I read, are are really, really successful. You have Amanda Nunez, Jorge Masvidal, like well-known fighters trained right. at these things. And he, you know, he's he's not sure if he's gonna do this long term. He wants to see how it goes. But he wants to give every scholarship player on Miami's football team, that's 90 players. a month to advertise his gym on social media. Um, And that's, you're looking at over a half mil a year. I think it's 540,000. So that's a large investment. But I guess if you own a chain of gyms, how much are you spending on advertising? I don't know if he, you know, maybe he pulls billboards or some other area. Maybe he, whatever he wants to do. But it is to this point, only a weekend, the largest reported sum for a college sports endorsement deal under 
these new rules that are in place, and it opens the doors for you know players to make money. And Lambert's like, look, I want to help the kids. I want to reward them for the work they put in. I want a better product on the field because I'm yeah. a hardcore fan. I want to improve the reputation of this 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 program that I love. Um, I think it's a cool opportunity. I want to get involved. I really dig this, Charlie. And this is like a uh, the fact that it's a team wide thing because like the best player on the team is still going to get more opportunities than the 90th guy on scholarship. But like, come here, five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. cash. Come hang out of the gym, and I I think I think this is good, man. He's and he's gone through the compliance department. He's worked on it. He's got an attorney involved. He wants to make sure everything is done right. Right, and um, that's big. That's a lot of money. But and, and he's like he he said, I'm not looking to profit from this. Well, bro, you you're profiting right now because people are talking, people are talking about, about you. It, right? Yeah, that's a he's nice the line. First one. Uh, I just want to bring people together, make our team better. Um, but I do like this line. He said, I got many Gator and Seminole friends that have been on me for the last 20 years. Uh, oh, for how bad I want to reverse been. it. Right, right. It's no. like, okay, I can I can relate to that. I can yeah. relate to that. Um, and look, he doesn't have anything fully set in stone yet, but he says he just he wants this money to end up in the hands of, of the Miami football players and, and help them go. So I, in, in terms of a weekend, this is the first one, Charlie, I've seen where it's like a team-wide thing. Seems like it could make sense. It's a gym, granted an MMA gym, but um, it's a gym. And have the players in there, and now they're they're promoting it. Team gets good. People want to go check out these gyms. It seems like a win-win. That's what I was thinking. It seems like a win-win for, for him because, one, he's getting advertisement that he would be paying otherwise to get advertisement. But two, he's also getting his team better in the process. Like he's getting, he's going to be pulling in, helping pull in better players uh, in that Florida area towards Miami instead of FSU and Florida, which as you said, he kind of pointed out himself. He's had a lot of FSU and UF fans get on him because Miami hasn't really been good the last couple of decades. So So, I I think it seems like a win-win for a fan and an owner of a business. So this guy is, a booster with Miami and Florida state law um, prohibits an entity that has directly supported the university athletic department from paying or facilitating these deals. Mm. Uh, And he's saying, look, this, this has nothing to do with the university. This, the only restriction is on the, the, you know, the institution or the athletic department. So it may not be a, a thing where the players can go where they're, hurricane gear all over the place according to the, the the Florida law in place but tell you what man if you're down in Miami and the team's good and you get the kind of publicity and free publicity you're getting right now right may not matter but that's like in terms of Florida maybe that's a little and that that seems weird I, that law should probably be I, changed I, I, yeah look in in Florida I guess they're, they're just like they don't they just don't want a booster to to. I don't know. I mean, at some point, I guess you're right. I guess they just don't want a Maybe booster to be like come coming out here, <clears throat> wear all your gear, and we'll pay you everything. But it kind of seems like that's where it was going anyway. Like we said, they're going to be. You can call it a loophole. You can call it a legality. Whatever. Seems like he's still going to be able to get what he wants. He just may not be able to have them sporting all the hurricane gear, which if the if the university and athletic department was cool with and he can't because of a Florida law, I think that's stupid. Yeah, no, I think that should rule should at least be slightly adjusted. 
Like, I mean, he seems like he wants to do good for the university and the student athletes. I, I think that's, you know, good enough. If this NIL thing had come out when you were like 11, Charlie. Yeah. What do you think the reception would have been like? When I was 11? Shoot, that was like the Cam Newton days. <laughs> so I think like all the huss and fuss about. You're, you're so young. Like you're like, whoa, that was the Cam Newton days. Yeah, it was like just after ago. Tim Tebow. Yeah, yeah, but like, like, like. How, the, how do the I public's, think? Like the public's reaction to NIL. It would have been probably the same because there's a lot of people that are still freaking out about it. There's a lot of people that think that this is going to change college sports. It's not going to. I, I think. I Back off the ledge. Yeah. See, I don't the know ledge. that I agree with it. I think there's a lot less. I shouldn't say I disagree with it. You're right. There are a lot of people that, mm-hmm. that feel that way. But I'm telling you, man, If let's say let's say this happened like 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Before social media was huge. Oh, my God. But just the, like the acceptance of, you know what? Some of these student athletes are, I mean, guys, like they're selling their jersey without the name on it. They're making all this money. Like mm-hmm. this, these, these coaching staff is collectively are making – eight figures, like, uh, all this money, and these guys aren't getting anything. Oh, well, they're getting an education. Well, that's good. Okay, well, they're getting – it's good. I'm not saying that that's – I'm not trying to poo-poo a scholarship and, mm-hmm. and some of the gear and the other stuff they get. But, like, yeah, they're putting in the work. Like, there's just more acceptance, maybe more understanding. Like, 15 years ago, the thought of what's happening over the last week would – I think the majority – there would be some supporters, but I think the majority would be like, this is taboo, you can't do this, this is, yeah. this is terrible. And now it feels like a lot, there's a lot more understanding. Maybe it's just a, a younger generation is now older. That's probably mm-hmm. part of it. But it feels a lot different. Like in, I said this to Jay yesterday. In some ways, the NIL deal feels like overdue. And then in other ways, it feels like it's right on time. I just don't think this country was ready for it. And I know some still aren't, but I don't think like the fact that the Supreme Court ruled nine nothing like, yeah, uh, amateurism is not uh, a, a, a good argument against this. Like, I don't that I don't think that happens 10, 15, 20 years ago. I really don't. And um, and and if it had, it would have been like, oh, my God, Armageddon. Yeah. And now it's like there's some people that don't like it and whatever to each their own. But I think the acceptance is a lot higher. Yeah, no, maybe maybe there would have been more widespread concern and frustration with the with that new kind of law. Um, more people out and saying out and about talking with schools, saying like, "Look, like, what are we doing here? We're already giving these these guys scholarships and free education, stuff like that." Um, but I don't know. I I still see some of that. Like, I still see people thinking that this is going to fully change college college athletics. And look, paying the players was the worst kept secret in college sports, right? It's been happening, and now this is just a, a law that the NCAA is going to have to go around with the name, image, and likeness, where players can get paid for their name, image, and likeness. So I don't know. It's I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not going to change college sports. Like, like it's not going to ruin it. Like some people are saying. Just yeah. my opinion. No, no. And I think the blue look, in terms of on the field, on the court, whatever, are there going to be some stories years from now that say, you know, this guy got to school, this gal got to school, got this money, didn't manage it well. Uh-oh. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be yeah, some stories that don't turn out great. Those are also not going to be the majority. Um I, I you know, we hold student athletes to a double standard I think at times. And if you're only looking at worst case scenario, well, 
you know, I'm not in risk assessment, but worst case scenario for every single thing, yeah, you, if that's always your argument, then you're not going to want progress anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be some bad stories, but there's going to be some ones that I'll, uh, the vast majority you never read about that helps out, um, you know, a student athlete. That's great. That works. Good for them. Cool. I saw uh, Shane Vallow, Center for UL, had, had put something on social media maybe yesterday about holding the camp at his old alma mater, Como, and holding the camp for kids. There's a camp fee and telling them what to bring. Come on this date. We're going to work with all this stuff. I mean, cool. Yeah. Good for him. You know, guy guy started as a walk-on, has worked his tail off. Remitting, you know, award watch list guy. Great, great, great kid. Really like Shane. Um would not want to meet him in an alley, strong, strong as an ox, but good for him, man. Good for him. ESPN fourteen twenty. The uh, the Patriots have a, a former first round pick that wants out. Nikhil Harry. Yikes. More on that coming up in a little while. I got some thoughts. Because, of course, any time a former first-rounder gets on the potential trade market, Saints fans, every fan base is like, could it work here? I'm going to tell you why the Saints should stay away. That's coming up in uh, about 10 minutes. I'm Scott. That's Charlie. 6-9-10-77. Let's take a quick phone call. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Good morning, guys. Uh, could y'all imagine if this would, had already been done, all of the cheesy Laborde Earls commercials you'd have seen with Joe Burrow and stuff like that. I feel I, like I, I feel I, like Joe Burrow would have had so many commercials. I'm not I'm not going to knock Laborde and Earls. I mean Alvin Kamara, no, doing not his him. Thing, man. The, the yeah. commercials are so cheesy, man. Not Laborde Earls. I'm not hating on them as people. Come on, don't be, <laughs> on, don't be hating on Digger and those guys. Don't be hating on. Don't be hating on my guys now. Oh, they're good people. I just think their commercials are so bad, man. I could just about imagine Joe Burrow. Yeah, he uh, Joe Burrow would have made money. Like, Joe Burrow would have made, as Whoop. his dad said, his dad answered the question a lot. Maybe he did make some. <laughs> Who knows, guys? Yeah, I'm sure he did. But, but like, um, yeah, no, he, he would have, yeah, that season. And yet, okay, I, I think it's weird because, yes, y'all aren't wrong, but I'm telling you, his senior year, mm-hmm. he's like 23, he was so locked in. He took a course, two courses online, which, by the way, he got a, a master's. He got a graduate degree while he was at LSU, but took a course online, got an apartment right next to the complex and just hung out there. I mean, he said it was like the closest thing to being a pro in college in terms of like yeah. the day-to-day work. I don't know that like Joe was so zoned in. I think if somebody was like, hey, Go take a picture. We'll do something. He'd be like, cool. I think if they were like, hey, you got to spend the next two days like on a video shoot, he would have been like, no, like I'm, Dude, they, I can't. Like we're, we, this is the dream season. Like I really yeah. feel like he, cause he knew I keep doing this, man. My, my payday is coming. So yeah. he would have made a lot, but I don't think it would have been as much as maybe we're thinking because I just don't think he would have because it wasn't like going into his senior year anybody saw that season coming so I don't think he he probably would have had raising canes that's whatever. what I was about to say he would have done a photo shoot with yeah, canes a couple of things lined up and then during the season I do think for the most part he probably it probably would have been a lot more you know asking his mom or dad hey I just need you to go through these and just tell people no thank you or mm-hmm. just I'm not going to respond to this email cuz the the request probably would have just been overwhelming yeah no yeah. definitely a, bu- a buddy of mine and I were talking about like how like y'all y'all brought up a good point about like how these guys some of these guys were already getting money and it's kind of like 
when marijuana became legal, like it, it, people were already buying it and selling it before that. But then you, you have dispensaries now, right? So you have places that can legally sell it. So essentially, it's just going to make it a lot easier for these, these companies and make them feel more comfortable to do it because we all know that some people were doing it anyway, right? So like now it's just, okay, all right, guys, now we can, uh, we can do this like uh, comfortable. We can have these meetings in a normal restaurant. Instead of that hole in the wall, maybe you know, in the maybe back of town. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this thing plays out. It, it may, yeah. Maybe, maybe those that are doing stuff that isn't legal are just going to get away with it more now and not worry about taxes because they're not going to have as watchful an eye over what they're doing because of uh. you know what I'm saying. So, you know, I'm not going to just say the days of some booster at whatever school is like, man, that was a hell of a game. Let me shake your hand and slip, you know, a couple hundreds over here. I don't necessarily think that that's <laughs> totally gone now. In fact, I think now it'll just, not that from an NCAA, from an NCAA standpoint, it was ever like extremely policed. It'll be even less now, honestly. And so I don't, well, I, I, don't more- I don't know that that's going away. I have one more question for you guys. And I thought about it today and I'll hang up and listen when, for your response with with games like NCAA football coming back and them not even being able to do it because of names and likenesses and stuff now they'll be able to they were going to come back no matter what but now with the ability to pay players how many players you think are going to be like yo you're going to have to pay me if you want me to be on this game especially like guys who are going to be on the cover do you think they're going to get a little chunk of change for being in the game Oh, hang up. Definitely cover athletes, probably. But the cover athletes in the past on that game have always been a player that just finished playing. Yeah. And so and 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 that's how they were able to do it because they were able to pay that person. Like it would be someone that like just finished. Right. Um does EA do that because they want to not have to I don't know. I don't know. They don't they, they have they, they have a decision now because the cover athlete absolutely would get paid more than the other people on the game and they'd probably get paid to promote said game. But I Charlie, how do you think it works when you try to put every, you know, D one athlete in America on the game? Are they are they is EA gonna be able to pull this off? Is it gonna be like a lump sum like Everybody gets this much, and and here and your check will come in the mail. Like, how are they going to pull this off? It's going to be an impressive feat. Look, I'm excited as anyone as the next guy for NCAA football coming back. I think NCAA 13 was one of the best games, you know, out there. I don't know if EA is going to be able to put every student athlete in this game and whatever next games that they come out with. It may be a mixture of players that you know uh, combined with computer-generated players and just random names um, because, as you said, there's just so many. Uh, in Division One football alone, there's so many athletes that they would need to compensate. It's, uh, I, I think it's, they're, it's going to be a mixture. That's, that's my prediction is that if they're going to have name-worthy players that people recognize and know, like some of the top prospects and stuff like that, maybe even some of the top players in smaller schools because they – NCAA football, they let you play as smaller schools, but I don't think that they'll have every player from every roster in the game. I think there are a lot of players that would be like, send me a copy of the game and you can put me in it. Yeah, no, I mean... The stars, you're right. If They're like, I can make some money, but if it's like a guy that's on the team and it's like... Back of the bench. You're not going to be... We're not going to pay you, but... 
We'll put you in the game. And, yeah, your name you know, is your immortalized. We'll send you a copy. We'll send you the download code, right? Mm-hmm. Which system do you have? Like, I think a lot of players would be that. like, I'm in. Like, dude, if I if I had been a college football player and I was the 50th guy on scholarship and mm-hmm. I was playing a little here or there, but I wasn't. I was not. I you was not a at star. a point where EA was like, "We need to pay this to make sure he's on the game because someone's going to buy this game because he's on it." Mm-hmm. No, he's going to probably buy this game because he's on it. Yeah. So let's just uh, send him a download code and uh, get his get his permission and fifty boom. bucks. You know, I I would do it. So it's, it's, the- I think they would love it to just be kind of like a flat rate thing, but that's where I think. Now it starts to get a little complicated. So the EA's just they got they got some work in front of them, but make it. I mean, they're already making it. They they were out. They had cameras out at Cajun Field doing like aerial shots and 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 all this other stuff, getting it all in there for the the likeness on the game. So it's coming back. It's coming back. It's exciting. All right, we're gonna take a quick time out for me to have a conversation with Stephanie Kazar about how all of you listening don't change the dial. Okay, this conversation with Steffi and I is it's a short one, and then Charlie and I will be back. I'll tell you why the Saints should stay away from Nikhil Harry. But you got a chance to save lives here over uh the course of Thursday and Friday. You're gonna learn how. Here's my combo with Stephanie that I recorded earlier this morning. I'd show before we dig back into the sports talk in the NBA Finals, we're going to talk about something that is heroic, something that saves lives, something that changes lives, and something that gives you the opportunity to be a part of it, right? And that is the blood drive, the race against the clock blood drive that's happening this week uh, over in Scott. In fact, it's happening tomorrow and Friday, um, the Race Against the Clock 2021 from Vitalent. Stephanie Kazar is here to talk to us about it, give us some more stuff. Uh, first of all, good morning, Stephanie. How you feeling? Good morning. Feeling great. Happy to be here. So tomorrow from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., Friday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. is the 16th annual Race Against the Clock Blood Drive. Now, uh, we've been a part of this Town Square Media. I've been a part of it. I've seen it. Uh, I just got to point out to folks something that's going to be different this year is you guys are in a different location. So tell us a little bit about uh, where folks need to go now that want to donate blood and be part of this amazing, you know, tradition at this point, 16 years, it's a tradition. It is a tradition, and we would love to have our donors who have been with us for the last 15 to come out for number 16. Uh, And like you were saying, the only major difference is we're going to be out in Scott this year. We're going to be at the West Line Event Center, which is located at 325 Apollo Road. It's near the big roundabout, not far from I-10. And uh, we're just going to be out there with more space for our donors. Um, Still going to have the same, you know, snacks, and we have prizes for our donors and all those great things. So here's what I'll tell folks. Get involved, do it. You won't regret it. Uh, if if you need, you know, just a scoot in the in, in that direction, I can remind you that all participating donors do get entered to win one of three go local gift packages, whether it be a one year membership to Hamper or a hundred dollars in laundry credit or the Pandora bracelet and charm or a Kendra Scott jewelry set. All donors, by the way, get a Vitalent T-shirt. They get coupons from McDonald's, Chick Fil A, Walk On Sports Bistro. Um, but for, for everyone out there, regardless of what your blood type is, uh, you can make a difference. You can do it. Now, Stephanie, as much as you want to pack it and want everyone out there to make life easier on your guys, you guys are recommending 
appointments, right? That's the best way to get it done beforehand so you can save yourself time when you go to donate blood, right? Exactly. If you go to vitalent.org slash race against the clock, you can set up your appointment there. And then that way, you know, we, we know you're coming. Um, you can also fill out your information the day before your donation. So uh, if you're coming Thursday, you can fill it out Wednesday. If you're coming Friday, you can fill it out Thursday. And it's got all your fast track info. So um, that way you don't have to wait very long with us. You don't have to sit through the whole medical questionnaire because you've got it already completed online. So that's your best bet is to go to vitalent.org slash race against the clock. And the reason we do this in the summer every year, guys, is because, I mean, you see it, right? If any of you listening are on the roads, like I see it, I'm, I'm in morning drive time radio. Guess what? The roads are a little different during the summer than they are during the school year. So folks are kind of out of their usual schedules. Kids are out of school. Families are on the road. And in the summertime, on one hand, that leads to, unfortunately, you got more vehicle accidents, which means more surgeries, more time, more just a, a, a bigger need for blood. And then on top of that, blood donations in the summer go down because folks are. So it's kind of this double edged sword. So it's so important, guys, to donate blood, especially in the summertime. And look. Typo. If you're listening and you're typo, positive and negative, there's a critical need for typo right now. Uh, typo negative is is just the type that emergency personnel reach for when there's no time to determine a patient's blood type. You're talking about moments, right? Seconds that can save someone's life. I'm not being overdramatic here, guys. It's the truth. And you guys all know it's the truth. So I, I, as Stephanie, I know, echoes everything I'm saying here, make your vitalant.org slash race against the clock or Write this down, guys. Get the number. Call 877-258-4825. Again, that's 877-258-4825 or vitalant.org slash race against the clock. It's Wednesday morning. This starts tomorrow, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You got a 12-hour window. Get it done. If tomorrow doesn't work, Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. It is the 16th annual Race Against the Clock Blood Drive, guys. Make it happen. It's the summertime. Stephanie, you know firsthand, probably better than anybody listening, definitely better than me, just how critical. Like if someone out there is thinking to themselves, you know, I really want to do it. You know, I might feel a little woozy. I'm going to have to, you know, it's part of my lunch break. Give them a reason, a story why this is well worth their time. Well, I just always think of the people out there who need blood. You know, we can all think in our lives there's somebody that we know who is either about to undergo a surgery or who is dealing with cancer or who is about to have a baby. You know, these are our friends and our family members. So if we can donate blood for them now, that means that when they need it, it's going to be there. And that's really the most important thing is that, you know, we as a you know, this area is such a giving, loving community. And so this is one of the kindest things that you can do for your friends and your neighbors is just to become a blood donor um, and get out there so that when that blood is needed, it's there. Hashtags on social or hashtag vital for life. Hashtag race against the clock is the 2021 race against the clock blood drive from vital and in town square media. Again, guys, this year it's going to be at thir- uh, 325 Apollo road and Scott. Uh, you can put it in your map quest, whatever, Google, whatever you do. It's near the roundabout. It's, it's, it's not far from I-10 at all. It's easy to get to. and uh, Or schedule your appointment if you can. It makes things easier for everybody over there that's working hard. Vitalant.org slash race against the clock. Or you can call 877-258-4825.
five. Uh, again, amazing prizes that you get entered to win. All donors get that Vitalant T-shirt. They get coupons from McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, and walk-ons. Um, Stephanie Kazar has been our guest. I know you got a busy few days in front of you, Stephanie, but I admire you because it's it's you talk about folks that work in the life-saving business, and a lot of times folks will look at you know those that are that are on the line or those that are at the hospital. But what you do and what everyone does over at Violent, that's the life-saving business, and we need to save more lives out there. So I'm challenging everybody out there to go donate blood. Stephanie, thanks for taking the time this morning. I know I can ramble a little bit, but it's just a cause that I'm passionate about, and I know you are as well. Hey, I appreciate the rambling because that does show me that you are indeed dedicated to this cause. So we appreciate you, and I'm just so thankful you had me on today. All the best, guys. And uh, for anyone out there, last note, new blood donors, you can learn your preliminary blood type right away when you go in to donate. So all new blood donors, you get initial screening tests, preliminary blood type results, confirmed lab results, other valuable health information. That's available in a donor's portal account about seven days after the donation. Just another reason to do it, guys. Just another reason to do it. Don't be shy. Make a difference. All the best, Stephanie. We'll, uh, we'll see you out there, and uh, good luck with everything, and look forward to seeing how much blood we can, uh, we can raise here over the next couple of days. I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much. You got it. App, app, bobap, banana, fana, fofap, me, my, moap. Go get our app in the App Store. ESPN 1420. Scott Prather, the king of sports talk radio. If you want to crown them, then crown their The Great Scott Show on Sports Radio ESPN 1420. Welcome back into the show. Be a hero. Save lives. Donate blood. Do it. ESPN 1420. I'm Scott. That is Charlie Long. We're watching the, uh, the goat. Charlie doesn't think he's the goat. Yeah, he very well might be. You, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna by gonna, the end uh, of his career, he is right now the greatest tennis player of all time. Novak Djokovic dominating Fuksovic of Hungary in the Wimbledon quarterfinal. He is up four zero in the uh, the first set. The guy's just cruising right now. I think he's in route to winning his twentieth Grand Slam. I think he'll be holding up the Wimbledon trophy and um, and. Put some respect on his name, man. You don't have to like the guy. You don't have to. What, what's the old saying? Don't hate. You don't, don't hate the like player. Him. Hate the game. Oh, okay. Well, in this case, people hate the player and love the game, but you don't. You know, go ahead and hate him. Guy's just dominant, man. I mean, just absolutely dominant. Yeah, this game's looking pretty good too. Speaking of dominant, um, we all know Shakari Richardson absolutely dominated in the Olympic trials in the. 100-meter uh, relay, individual race. The uh, LSU, former LSU track and field star, testified us for marijuana. Big big story in the news last week. I don't need to yeah. recap it all, but everyone, you know, she 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 smoked uh, some marijuana in Oregon, where it's legal, after her uh, biological mother passed and said she made a mistake, and she owned up to it, and that's the rules, and a lot of people were ripping Everyone for not allowing her. It's like the IOC is not going to change the rule. It stinks. No. They're not. But there was some thought that maybe when her 30-day suspension ended, it would end prior to August 5th, which would leave open the possibility of her running with the 4 by 100 relay team in Tokyo. And um, they released the roster last night. And USA Track and Field did not include her on the roster. And the statement from the USA Track and Field team was that they're very sympathetic toward her. Uh, they they 
they agreed that the rules need to be changed and it should be reevaluated. You know, putting out all these statements that they support her a lot. Um, but Richardson and her team, um, her agent was like, we didn't really even talk about it. It wasn't even like a topic we focused on. I, I don't know the intricacies of this, Charlie, but I'm guessing they don't, maybe they don't want someone traveling there late, not being there, whatever. But reading the statements from both sides, it almost feels like this wasn't even really much of a discussion at all. It was just kind of understood that it it wasn't happening. And so we'll see her in 2024, I'm sure, and, and she will have a ton of support behind her. But I think last night's story about Shakari Richardson, you're going to see it in the news headlines a little bit today. I don't think we're going to hear her name a ton until maybe she set a record in a race and you see it pop up on the ticket like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I think three years from now, three summers from now, she will have all the rate. It'll all be everyone will be behind her for the most part. But for now, I just think this is probably the last we we hear about her in terms of the mainstream sports news for a while. Yeah, definitely. I mean, missing out on a chance to be an Olympian and representing your country is, you know, it must be pretty crushing. It just seems like there's a disconnect in those statements. Like, as you said, not much communication going on. Um, but I, I think it was just kind of understood at that point once there was a 30-day uh, ban that it was just it just wasn't happening. And people were upset. Um, you know, the rule is the rule. And it just it just happened. It's moved on, and uh, and I will we'll pay attention to who's on the, the staff in uh, the coming Olympics this month. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's only 21. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's worth noting in terms of the actual rule after the 2012 Olympics, international regulators, um, they pulled back on some of the restrictions on marijuana use. They increased the, the threshold for a positive test, um, to basically catch athletes who were using it like in the hours shortly before a competition, which is just weird. It's not like it's going to. Yeah, it's not performance enhancing. Um, And potential bans were reduced from two years to as little as 30 days. So as much as this situation really stinks for her, Mm. let me tell you something. If this happened two years ago, they would have suspended her for two years, which just seems seems crazy. Um, And, yes, you know, we we could get into whether the rule's outdated or whatever, but it's. It's the it's the rule in place for right now, and the IOC isn't going to change anything shortly before the Olympic Games. And you know, maybe in the long run, maybe in the long run, this will just raise her profile even more. And when she comes out in the twenty twenty four Olympics, I mean, only ten seconds running the hundred, she should probably be on a relay team and do other stuff. But that ten seconds of running the hundred will be like the amount of hours built up before and spent after covering those 10 and a half seconds is just going to be astronomical, I think for, and look, Nike didn't, they're, they're one of her, um, you know, her big athletic endorser and they, they didn't back off of it or anything like that. So she's going to be all right. Yeah. Her name's out there. It's been in the news. It's been huge on social media the past couple of weeks. So when she comes back in a couple of years, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that do recognize her and, uh, and will be rooting for her to succeed. Novak Djokovic about to just... He's rolling. 5-0 in the first set. He's going to take this guy out in the first set in like 25 minutes. But 
Uh, yeah, on a complete roll right now. Eight o'clock hour, the great Scott show coming up next. Charlie Long is in the house. We're going to talk about Nikhil Harry and reset what we did last hour. Suns, Bucks, game one, biggest takeaways, Chris Paul, the maestro, the master of the pick and roll, the master of the angles. The point guard. Man, he had Bobby Portis just... There's that moment last night where Portis like just went down and took an awful shot when Chris Paul was just like rolling, right? Uh-huh. And he's it's one of those deals, Charlie, where it's like, if I could just go down and make a shot, everyone's going to be like, okay, it's it's me versus you right now. It was a bad shot. It wasn't close. It didn't work. Paul's feeling it. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show 8 o'clock hour continues right after this. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. ESPN1420.com. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour. Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Charlie Long hanging out with me this week. You'll be hearing him uh, on the airwaves next week in the afternoons with Lyndon. Norm will be filling in in the mornings next week. I'll be out. Now Charlie's looking at me like I jinxed Djokovic or something just because he didn't sweep the first game. It's now 5 We were talking him up before the break. It was 5 nothing, and we were like, and oh, he's going to sweep the first five set. Now it's 5-1. to one. Advantage to... Although he's like... Oh, my God. Know, he's like... Get over the net, man. Faulting and... You know, you have little <laughs> moments of tennis, and then it just got to be snapped. This is, this is a good thing right here. It's just going to wake him up. Tick him off, and he's gonna be like, "All right, I'm." It was five zero, and this guy's actually gonna try. Oh so, my god! You know, maybe maybe he ends up winning the five first two, six, Scott. Maybe he ends up winning at six three or something. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. ESPN fourteen twenty, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com, and the ESPN fourteen twenty app. That's Charlie Long. I'm Scott. Speaking of six three, um, this is a really bad transition. <laughs> Nikhil Harry, six foot three, <laughs> two hundred twenty five pounds, wide receiver. Um, who is uh, from Canada, I think, uh, originally. Yes. Um, but uh, was a late first-round pick, I think the last pick of the first round of the Patriots. Like 32. A couple of years ago at Arizona State. Uh, he had two touchdowns last year, 33 catches, 309 yards. He has had injury uh, issues mm-hmm. in his two seasons in New England. And yesterday, his agent formally requested a trade for his client as if he was a superstar in the NBA or something. Um, Let me go ahead and read this to you guys. This is from his agent. I'm excited. For the past several months, I've been working in cooperation with the Patriots behind the scenes to put a plan in place to allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Through two seasons, he has 86, like as if he's on the coaching staff. (laughs) Through two seasons... He has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Mm. 
Following numerous conversations with the Patriots, I believe it's time for a fresh start and best for both parties if Nikhil moves on before the start of training camp. That is why I have informed the Patriots today I am formally requesting a trade on behalf of my client. Nikhil understands a key ingredient to production is opportunity. He will continue to work hard and develop and refine his craft after missing a large portion of his year to injury. His draft day expectations for his NFL career have not changed. We're confident we're confident success is just around the corner for him and will aggressively pursue it. Uh, this came out yesterday. Didn't take long for some articles from some Saints blogger sites to say they need to go get him. Um, I was hoping you were going to be team Nikhil Harry so we could actually have uh, a discussion here, but... I remember this guy was was considered like at his peak he could have been like the next Randy Randy Moss when the when the Patriots selected him people were just like oh yeah he's an athletic freak like at Arizona State this is a perfect selection for the Patriots gives Tom Brady another weapon blah 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 and then he ended up missing you know over half of his first game uh, his games in his rookie year and then this past season he played in fourteen games I just looked up. Only started in nine of them, and he still didn't put up great numbers. So no, and he's dealt with. Unfortunately, this isn't a, you know good for him. He's he considered retiring because of the concussions that he's had. Mm-hmm. He's dealt with injuries. He's considered retirement. He's only two years into his deal, and we have seen the Patriots in the past cut bait on a player with plenty of time left on their deal. This to me, this is what this is. This is an agent knowing my guy's probably about to get cut. They He's signed more receivers. Any, you know. And rather than get cut, and someone could say, well, that's dumb because if he gets cut, he can go wherever he wants. Here's why it's not dumb. You get cut by the Patriots and you've been a bust the first two years. Yeah, you're going to sign somewhere and you're going to chance, but you still got first-round money left on your deal. Mm. What he would get on the open market right now is not, in my opinion, as much as he would get on the years left on his deal. Now, the Patriots, on the other hand, would have to eat some of the money if he's not traded. So I do think they are interested in trading him um, rather than just releasing him outright. But I also, that that's what, when I when I heard this yesterday, when I read the statement, I was like, this to me just screams of a guy, that uh, an agent that wants to get his guy out, try to save some Save some perception, maybe, in terms of how good his client may or may not be, and uh, just get him get him out of there. Like, if you were an agent and you really thought that your client could get whatever he wanted on the open market, and you were about to be cut, or really, don't you think you would just tell the Patriots buying closed doors? Look, if you're not going to play him and you don't like him, just go ahead and cut him. Rather than, I worked with them, I work with the team to try to come up. Like, you're not on the coaching staff, right? You're not not drawing up plays. The Patriots are changing their offense this upcoming year. You saw the players that they signed. Everyone saw all the money that they spent on Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar. They're changing their offense. They they knew that it didn't cut it last year. They're going to revamp everything, go and restart, right? Nikhil Harry may not be in those plans. And... First round receivers are very, very, very hit or miss, right? You see some uh, plenty of busts in the first round, but you also see plenty of booms, right? Justin Jefferson versus like someone like Laquan Treadwell or like Jalen Rieger or someone like that, right? Sure. 
Like you see first round receivers, if they come into the league, they're usually the players that may succeed real early on as rookies, maybe second year, third year players. But as far as first round receivers, there's also those guys that come in and then they don't do anything. Nothing. Yeah. Like it's, like, it's, it's you're taking a flyer. Nothing. You're taking a flyer on a receiver. And, you know, some of the best ones weren't in the first round. Tyreek Hill wasn't a first-round pick. Yeah, Michael Thomas wasn't a first-round pick. You know, I think that there's a spot for Nikhil Harry somewhere in this league. Perhaps it's with a younger team that may want to take a flyer on him. I don't know if you trade for him or if you just go and try and sign him. But what this, as I agree with what you're saying, what this agent is trying to do is say, look, like my guy's not getting targets, my guy's not getting catches or touches. He's not getting enough stats to be able to justify giving him a nice contract. Follow so, the money, man. Yeah. That's that's where the answer always lies to me. Charlie Long is in studio with me this week. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN fourteen twenty. I if he if he like some I, I think Saintswire put something out there. They would give the Patriots their compensatory third round pick. Patriots would give Nikhil Harry and a fourth rounder. So you're you're only moving back a little bit. But my thing is this: if he gets released. And the Saints take a flyer and, you know, sign him to a, a small deal to yeah. see if he has anything. I'm not against that. But you don't need to give up something. And more than that, you don't need to bring on that salary when he's not worth it at this point in his career. For me, it's not as much. Because, like, if a team does trade for him, it ain't going to be much, right? Yeah. It's not going to be much. But. I'm more focused on the salary that would come with it rather than just, you know, what it does to your cap. Do you want it taken up, this kind of thing? Rather, like the guy, If the guy's going to be cut, if you really want to take a flyer on him, just wait and see if you can get him off of waivers, and then the Patriots have to eat some of that money. And look, it's the Patriots. They do things differently. Maybe they just hold him on the roster as the fifth guy on the depth chart this year because that's where he is right now. Maybe they do that, and that would stink for him, whatever, but – that's be better. His salary better. isn't like game breaking because he was the last pick of the yeah, first it's, round. It, but it's projected to be one point four million this upcoming year, and then one point nine million in twenty twenty. But what's the signing bonus? What's the roster bonus? It's it's I don't know. It's uh, and then you got that fifth year option, which if he's good, you might lock in. But you probably wouldn't because he hadn't been that good thus far. Yeah, if, if some team is going to probably take a flyer on him. I think. If they don't get a trade, as you said, they probably do drop him. Um, seems like a just a wasted pick at this point, which is unfortunate because it's not even necessarily all his fault. You said injuries, concussions. It's it's been a rough road for Nikhil, for Nikhil Harry because there and the expectations were so sky high for him out of the draft. I don't think, based on his production, this guy would get a deal that's worth a million dollars right now. No, um, I don't think so either. His cap hit is like two point. Eight this year, it's three point three next, and you could say, well, that's not that big. It's it is if you're like the fifth receiver on the team. Yeah, and I'm not looking at so much at actual salary as I am the the, the cap it. Like that's the thing that I'm not even make as much money as you can while you're in the league. Whatever I look at the cap side of things, um, and if the Patriots just outright released them, you're looking at four point seven million dead cap money. Mm-hmm. So his agents thinking. My guy's either going to get cut or he's going to be stuck here and he's going to be fifth on the depth chart and not do anything. And then they're not going to lock him in and they might release him next year where the dead cap number goes down to two, two mil. Yeah. And then on the market, he won't get as much 
then as he might now because there's still this idea of cap potential, right? Um, and, and, and those cap numbers are coming from that original, you know, signing bonus or whatever. I just, I think when it comes to actually trading, I'd stay away if you were the Saints. And no, I don't think the Saints are are really solid and great at receiver, okay? I don't. I mean, after Michael Thomas, there's, I have questions. You can you can you can talk yourself into Deontay Harris and and Marquez Callaway and and these guys and they were good. It was fun. They had their moments last year. Traquan Smith. Will he ever do this or that? I'm just looking at reality. What we've seen, large sample size. But I'm doing the same thing with Nikhil Harry. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not that large of a sample size. But I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm just being a realist here. Saints need help at receiver, but I don't think Nikhil Harry is the answer to all your questions. He looks like you know, this incredible car that would be in the Fast and the Furious movies. But then when you open up the engine, you're like, ooh, this thing's got a lot of issues. Some work. This thing needs some work. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it can get zero to 60 in a second, but then it might just, like, spin off the road or wreck, or maybe the engine will explode. And we're going to have to bring it back in the shop, and I'm spending all this money on repairs. Is it really worth it? I'm not that's sending he, a third that's round. He, that's what he feels like. I'm not sending a third rounder for Nikhil Harry. Not at this point. Even if you get a fourth round in return? No. No, I'm not. I mean, I don't think he's – yeah, no, it's not worth it to move down. ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. 269-1077. Phone lines are open for you. Um, I think a team like the Falcons might go pick up Nikhil Harry. He was at Arizona State. Caller asks if he was there um, – whenever Billy Napier was there, and he was there for one season in 2016. Um, that was Nikhil's freshman year. He had 58 catches, um, five touchdowns, I think two rushing touchdowns as well. Mm-hmm. So a good freshman year, good numbers for a freshman, you know, a lot of acrobatic stuff. But, yeah, Billy Napier was his uh, his head coach there in 2016. I didn't even think about that. That's a cool connection. Yeah. Um, and 2017, actually. So two years. The more you know. And he in his best season was his second year there. I bet Billy believes in him. You think? I mean, he's one of his guys. Yeah, I guess so. I remember asking Billy, like, best receiver he ever coached. He thought, who, who's uh, Norm's boy in uh, in Dallas that played at Alabama? Oh, um, Mari Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. He was. You know, Billy never gives like an actual like just one name, but he starts. Didn't Cooper he? Cooper was didn't, a beast in college. Oh yeah, he's like that guy was special. He, you know, Derrick Henry. He's a great NFL granted, player too. You know, Billy was, was a wide receivers coach. You know, no Cooper's Cooper's had a Cooper's had a good career. Um, he was just he at was Alabama. Awesome. He was incredible. He was a Heisman candidate at Bama, wasn't he? I don't know. I think he was. But they just had a Heisman winner that was a receiver. What What are your thoughts on Devontae Smith as a pro? As a pro, yeah. How do you yeah. think he's going? I think be? people are are going to be, you know, people are over exaggerating like his size and stuff. I think he's going to be fine. I, I think he's going to have a good career with Philly. I it's, think it's, the it's, issue it's is like that he frame, went to right. It's his frame. It's his frame. But the issue with with his situation is that he went to Philadelphia, and they're going to ask him to be the number one option immediately for Jalen Hurts. And if he's the number one guy, and he's you know, they're force feeding him the ball. I think what it is is he's going to be a great option for that coaching staff in Philadelphia just to be fun, like do some real fun, exciting plays, right? Just highlight real type of stuff. The issue is you can't overuse them too much right off the bat because you risk those injuries 
because of his size. I think people overstate it, but if they overuse him, then it gets more likely. They call him the Slim Reaper. That's what they call him at Bama, his teammates anyway. That was Kevin Durant's nickname. And Durant didn't like it, which was like, dude, this is a cool nickname. He's like, uh, I remember that. It was back when he was on the Thunder. He's like, I don't want to be known as like a symbol of death. Like, come on, man. Dude. Like, just, just, uh, whatever. Whatever. It's a cool nickname. Each is awful. He didn't like it. Um, what, what, I mean, God, Smith, 117 catches, like almost 1,900 yards last year, 23 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, was just on another level, man. Just set, he set like more than seven receiving records at Alabama. He was the most who unstoppable Who has a pretty rich player. history. Um, so shout out to the Louisiana native Smith, but going to Philly, Good luck. It's scary, man. I, he's, they're going to ask him to be the number one guy right off the bat and force feed him. And Six the more foot one seventy, more he touches the ball, the more you kind of hold your breath. You we'll just see. hope. But I, like Deontay Harris, very different. Not a Heisman winner. Played at a Division two school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at him as a guy's rookie year with the Saints. First team AP All Pro. Yeah, as a kick returner, as a punt returner, like amazing stuff. He is so valuable in the return game, and then. You get a little taste of him in the offense last year. Snippets. You saw what he did in the first quarter of the playoff game against Tampa. It was like, my God, they can't stop him. Boom, out with a neck injury, right? He wouldn't make plays when he was in on offense, even though it was a very limited number of plays, but then he'd get hurt. Mm-hmm. He got hurt twice last year, and I think Sean Payton's probably looking at a guy like that. Like, It's a nice luxury to have here and there, but I don't see Harris becoming a guy that's getting tons of offensive snaps. I don't think they're going to say, we're not putting you in at all, but I think Peyton would rather limit that because you don't want to get a guy injured that I don't know who's going to return kicks and punts if it's not him. Callaway did a little bit. Kamara did a little bit on punt. Harris is just, you're going from an APL pro to whoever the next guy is on the depth chart is not normally returning kicks and punts mm-hmm. for you. I mean, Austin Carr was like doing a couple of punt returns last year. The gap between him and Harris as a returner is like me and, you know, Devontae Smith catching a football. Like, it's pretty wide. Sorry, that was a little... That was a little that was, that, that, Austin Carr slander. Maybe, maybe not that <laughs> wide. Maybe not that wide. But Carr is like, come on, let's let's be real. I don't I, I don't think the Saints should use Harris a ton on the offense because... He's so special in the return he game. He flips the field, man. Yeah, he does. He flips the field. And I just thought of it because you were talking about Smith and that frame and... Well, that's do. what people are really worried about with him. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction because he was going against big SEC players, and he was still torching them. You know, he's bigger than SEC players. Well, of course, NFL players. That's but, right. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like he has. It's not like he's going against little league guys. I think it's just Philly just has me worried more than anything. De- oh, like, definitely. Going to Eagles. Definitely. Man. That's that's the biggest issue is that he's going to the Eagles, but. Look, the Eagles got him. They're going to use him. They know who, what they got in him. He's a special, special athlete and special talent. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for Devontae to succeed. Um, as am I. Djokovic won the first set 6-3, by the way. Good call. Charlie was just slandering I was, the goat. I was joking. Slandering the goat. Don't even lie. You hate he lost him. his first. He you, lost his first. You hate him like everybody else. He lost his first round of the first set <laughs> when he was up five nothing. He goes down five. He goes up five one. I'm like, not my goat. I was joking. You this just joke. you don't like him like everyone else. It's a Djokovic. Uh, the Suns. Come on, stop with those jokes. <laughs> Is Wayne Brady gonna have to Djokovic? Oh, okay. Woo. Chris Paul, his first NBA Finals game. Incredible performance. 
And uh, as his team said last night, let him orchestrate. Biggest takeaway from game one of the NBA Finals. We'll tell you what it is when we come back right after this. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. For those of you listening to ESPN 1420 live on your desktop or mobile device and in connected cars and on smart speakers, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. ESPN1420.com. Welcome back in to the great Scott show, Scott Prather. So, yeah, so Coach Napier, circling back to the question about Nikhil Harry, he was only at Arizona State one year. It's 2017. Um, and that was Nikhil Harry's best season ever. So we all know what works best for Nikhil Harry. Apparently it's Coach Napier. Yeah, it's Coach Napier. Clearly. the best in him. Harry had a very good um, junior season as well, but not as good as that 2017 year when, his offensive coordinator was uh, now the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, who are likely going to be ranked preseason top 25. And if you look at the betting odds, we'll get, we'll get, we're getting to Suns Bucks here in a minute, but if you look at the betting odds, Charlie, this is, this is a little teaser of something we'll talk about more tomorrow. Okay. The betting odds for the national championship winner as every single team in the Sun Belt at plus 50,000. Um, it's got Fair. your best G5s, I think, are like Boise State and Cincinnati at plus 15,000. And I think they're only there because some people have, like put money on it. The reality is they've the college football playoff committee, they've shown more than once they're never going to let a G5 team into a four-team format. Nope. Never going to happen. And so it's fun to go ahead and throw some money out on some long shot. But if it's not in a P5, I mean, it's your money. Do what you want. Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, like, not do I so. want a G5 to, to win? Yeah. That'd be freaking cool and awesome. And it doesn't happen in football. Um, it's never going to happen under this current format. So Not until they expand. Plus 50,000. It's like, well, why are they the same as this school or that school? It's like, it's it's. It's the national They're all the same. championship. Yep. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama is plus two fifty right now. Those are your, you know, best betting odds. Fair. Who do you think two is? Ohio State. They're three at plus five hundred. No, Oklahoma. They're four at plus seven hundred. Oh, I'm dancing around it. it it's be. all the usual suspects. Is it Clemson? Yeah, okay. Clemson plus three fifty. Georgia is sixth at plus eight hundred. Okay. After that, you start getting into the thousands. Well, who's fifth? Georgia. I'm sorry. Did I say they're sixth? I yeah. mean they're fifth. They're okay. fifth at plus eight hundred. After that, you start getting into the thousands. Texas A and M plus twenty five hundred. Okay. In a tie for seventh at plus thirty five hundred is Wisconsin and LSU. Oh. Okay. Florida, Notre Dame, Miami, Penn State, Iowa State, all at plus 4,000. That is your top 14. 
Then you got a, a number of schools that are plus 5,000. Um, Arizona State's like 20th at plus 6,600. A lot, a lot of Arizona State talk on the show this morning. If you want to learn more about their former pitching coach, who mutually agreed to part ways with the program on Saturday after he was, um, or when he was going to interview with LSU, I think maybe after. Um, all signs were pointed to him going to LSU, and he is, in fact, there. He is the first member of the uh, Jay Johnson's new staff. You can read more about that over at ESPN1420.com. You can also read Charlie's story from last night's game, CP3 nice dominating segue. in game one. Bucks, Suns, Suns, 118-105. When the big three uh, in Phoenix are playing the way they did, good luck. Yeah, they combined for 81. Chris Paul, 32 points, 9 assists. Devin Booker, 27 points, 6 assists, 3 steals. DeAndre Ayton, 22 points, 19 rebounds. Big man. Played the most minutes of anybody on Phoenix. Uh, I take that back. That's Devin Booker. He played 42. Ayton was second. 8 of 10 from the field. Perfect from the chair. By the way, Aiton, Paul, and Booker all perfect from the charity strike. Well, that's something we got to talk about. That was the difference. There was were free 20, throw shooting. Collectively, they were 20 of 20. Yeah, but as a team, they were 25 of 26. Crazy. Crowder missed like one free throw. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That, that was the difference in the game was free throw shooting. Because I think the Bucks only took like 14 free throws. And before anyone gets like up in arms, like, oh, free throw disparency, there was nothing like blatant or anything. Like It wasn't any kind of cheating or anything going on. I, I think it was just... The Suns were getting to the stripe, and, and they were hitting their shots. 25 of 26, 95%. 9 crazy. of 16 96%, was, uh, was Milwaukee. Look, the Bucks had to travel. They didn't have as much rest. Mm-hmm. Giannis, I, I mean, it was he even injured? Good Lord. Yeah. Game started, and it's like, I guess he's all right. Yep, he looked good. The Greek freak, man, living up to the name. That 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 is i think i think there are two things bucks fans hold on to the fact that as we were talking about the guy you you just can't stand coach Budenhauser, coach bud coach bud. Milwaukee's coach who charlie thinks is a bum he calls him coach bum <laughs> i do not around. call him coach no, bum no you've been hanging around Lynn too much you're calling him coach bum no if coach you haven't yet it's on the tip of your tongue i know it um he um not the best at in game adjustments is good game to game adjustments Let's see what happens in. Uh, let's see what happens Thursday. You're gonna. You got Giannis looking like Giannis, which is a really positive sign. Um, Drew Holiday had a, a an awful game. Yes, he had an awful game by his. I know he was a assist away from a double double, or um, you know, and three rebounds away from potential triple double. I don't care. Ten nine and seven, cool. I watched the game. That was not the best version of Drew Holiday. Nope. Um, it was not locked in defensively. Um, Middleton, yeah, he was their leading scorer, but you know he shot less than fifty percent from the field. He shot less than fifty percent from beyond the arc. You might say that's not bad when you see the kind of quarters that he can have, the legacy quarters as they like to call it for him. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't his best. They just they looked gassed. They had no answer for Chris Paul in the pick and roll game. They struggled switching. Paul just. I mean, Bobby Portis played played fourteen minutes, and I'm sure he just wanted it to end quickly because Chris Paul was bullying him. I mean, it it, it good luck. Yeah. I mean, it, that was tough. That was tough. Um, Milwaukee's going to look a lot better tomorrow night. I think so too. I think Phoenix still takes game two, but the biggest adjustment I need to see is them making sure that Drew sticks on one of Devin Booker 
and Chris Paul the whole time. Because there were possessions where he was like on Jay Crowder. I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Chris Paul is going off for 16 points in the third quarter, and they keep letting him switch onto these big these big guys. And like, you can't let this happen. He's getting hot, and he's not cooling down anytime soon. You're well, talking about Middleton as well. Middleton had it probably the best game of the Bucks. I mean, with Giannis not a hundred percent, he still looked he still looked good, but he wasn't. He obviously wasn't a hundred percent. Twenty eight seventeen is still good numbers. He was a hell of a lot closer to a hundred than we thought. Than he was we than we be, expected. Though. I agree. But Middleton in the third quarter, when when the Suns went on that run and they opened up a twenty point lead, Middleton was the guy that they asked to answer, and he did answer. He answered late in that third quarter. He scored like eleven he, straight he to keep it a, close. Yeah, he has like a calming presence for sure. Um, and and look, it was a single digit game with like five seven, minutes to go. Yeah, they got it down to There's seven points with seven minutes left. Four fifty nine left. It's a nine point game. It's one hundred eight ninety nine. Yeah. But like that's enough time. And Chris Paul is like, it ain't happening. Not on my watch. And they no. you know, they end up winning double digits. But like there were moments last night where you're like, the Bucks could make a run here because after the third quarter, it was like. It didn't look good. I mean, they had been ball. outscored every quarter. They had a giant lead. And then Milwaukee started to chip away. But, again, you're right. Chris Paul, that experience, the maestro, the savviness, the moxie. Uh, guys, let me work here, and let's just make sure that they don't even think that they can come back. So anytime there was even, like, a minor threat of this thing coming close, Paul just seemed to take over. And that's just that veteran competitive edge that that guy's got that – Makes him so special and and good for him. His first finals game ever. It's just wild. It's just so unlike the NBA, the story of the Suns this year. It's not, people complain about the NBA being redundant at times. Mm -hmm. There's nothing redundant about this finals, and there's absolutely nothing unoriginal right now about this Phoenix Suns team. Which makes it great, you know? All right, Scott, I got a question for you. Chris Paul is the third player at age 36 or older to score over 30 points in an NBA finals game. Who are the other two players? All right, give it to me one more time. I'm sorry. He's the third player at age 36 or older to score 30-plus points in an NBA Finals game. Who are the other two? It's a good question. I don't know. One was recent-ish. The other one was not. Recent-ish, huh? Within the last decade. 36, man. Yeah. Um... I'm thinking. You need another hint. Ray Allen? Mm. Manu? Mm-mm. Uh, last decade. Yeah, give me a hint. You got a team. You picked the right team for one of those players. The Spurs? Yes. Tim? Tim Duncan. All right. Then the other one's a little bit Timmy. further back. Yeah, the other ones were like 30, 40 years ago. What was the team? The Lakers. James Worthy? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Lou Alcindor. He's pretty good. Kareem, that makes sense. Kareem and Duncan. I mean, well, yeah. Kareem two, did it six times. Two of the Tim all-time. Tim did it once. Two of the all-time greats. Oh, yeah. Two of the all-time greats. Chris Paul's greats. one of the all-time greats. It's crazy to me that Kareem, <laughs> I forget how old he was, like, there yes. at the end of his career. and. He was being mentioned a lot last night, you know, Milwaukee being in the finals and everything. But mm-hmm. I forget how old he was during, like, the Lakers. He was, like, you know, 15 years into his show career. time and just how dominant he still was, man. Mm-hmm. Timmy. 
I was just thinking of old Spurs, right? Tim Duncan's one of my favorite players. My new bald spot is what got in my head, but Timmy was older. Yeah. What a stud. One of my favorite players. I love Tim Duncan. Tim Tim is probably like he I, I'm not exactly a guy that like like I I I'll get nice clothes that suit up, love suit up, and if I need to get dressed up for something, I'm not gonna look good, but I work in radio. I mean I'm wearing a I guess a V neck and some shorts. Like I'm not i I'm not in a suit today. Charlie's wearing a T shirt and gym shorts. shorts. Yeah. Um and I ain't judging. That's all to say this. Even even with like my sense of style, I will say that Tim Duncan is probably got like the most I don't care at all about what I wear style of any superstar athlete I've ever seen. That dude had so much money and like who was it? One of his old teammates was saying like, Yeah, you know, he just kinda just kinda go buy some like baggy jeans at Goodwill and just wear that all the time. I think the reason he's not an assistant coach anymore is he just didn't want to dress nice. He's like, I don't know. I just want to kind of come out here, wear my flip-flops and not do anything. That do dude, you, Tim. It, like, people are like, oh, bad style. I'm like, it's not so much a bad style as he just doesn't care. Like, he's dressing for comfort mm-hmm. and um, I would say affordability. I guess he can afford anything, but yeah, man, that guy's style was... Um, you didn't look at him and say, "Wow, he spent a whole lot of money on that." Maybe he did. I don't know. I was, but for some reason, it made me like him even more. I'm like, "Go ahead, Timmy, do your thing." The whole fundamental, big fundamental man. That's what I was. I think Carl Malone was the guy that injured David Robinson, which led to San Antonio having a really bad season. Which got the which gave them the good lottery odds, which then got them Tim Duncan, and then two seasons later, him and David Robinson are winning the first championship in that team's history. They went on to win four more, but dude, I mean, that give Malone never won a ring, but give him some credit for that Spurs dynasty, all right? Tim Duncan, one of the probably the greatest power forward of all time. He's up there. I mean, yeah, he might be. He probably is. Yeah. He Top five power is. forwards. That'd be an interesting list. He probably is. Another day, my friend. Another day. Another Quick day. timeout. We'll come back. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Speaking of betting odds, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's the uh, big fight coming up Saturday night. UFC 264 in Vegas, headlined by the notorious Conor McGregor and some guy from Lafayette, currently a Youngsville resident, Mr. Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Yeah, you probably heard. Might be surprised who the current betting favorite is in that. How close is it? We'll talk about the odds next. It's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Saturday night, UFC 264 in Vegas with the crowd. Exciting. You need a refresher of what happened the last time McGregor and Poirier fought. Wasn't that long ago. It was 163 days ago, 164 days ago. This is what it sounded like anyway. DC and others on commentary. Dustin beating that outside leg up bad. Oh, oh. solid left hand from Connor. You just can't take him on the end of the punches. No, man, you can't sit out here at this range and play with McGregor. Oh, that leg's beat up, man. Dustin Poirier has oh, a kick left from Poirier, now a right hand. Oh, he's hurt. 
He's got to go back to the camera. Oh, oh, big left and now oh, a right. Oh, 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 my God. That's the ball. Oh, 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 Duncan Poirier. Lafayette, Louisiana. Your guy has done it. Are you kidding me right now? My goodness. Justin Poirier has produced the biggest win of his career by a mile. Dustin Poirier has said that uh, the fight this Saturday will um, be the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, it's not for a belt, but it's against McGregor. Yeah, and uh, from a financial standpoint, that's that's bigger than the belt. Um, the two fought back at, in 2014 before McGregor was McGregor, the way that we know him. He was up and coming. He knocked out Poirier. Um, Poirier knocked him out at UFC uh, 257. Now you got UFC 264, the trilogy fight. The latest eyes, now these are from BetMGM. Poirier listed at minus... 120. So he's favored. Okay. Bet 120 to win 100. McGregor uh, plus 100. Bet 100 to win 100. Latest lines. Um, slightly, right? The previous two fights between the guys uh, ended in knockouts. Over under is uh, betting right now two and a half rounds. The under comes in at minus 170. The over at plus 135. You want to place a bet on the fight going the distance. It pays out at plus 300. You bet on the fight ending before the final bell rings. In the last round, it's minus 400. So, Poirier is a slight favorite right now. His win probability is only, and this is betting odds, and and take it for what you will, is only from a betting standpoint a little higher than 50%. Okay. And McGregor's is about 50-50. So, it's not like there is this big gap. And... Who knows? I mean, this was this was I wrote this this story's up over at ESPN1420.com. This was yesterday. I haven't even looked at the numbers today. Maybe they've changed a little, but it, it, long story short, the odds makers anyway, the the money that is being put out on this fight feels like it's going to be. It, it's hard to call. It feels like it's really close, uh, but they also feel like this thing's probably going to not go the distance. Uh, the other two didn't. Poirier's won seven of his last eight. I would say he's in the prime of his career. McGregor is not knocking people out the way he used to. Got a ton of money. His last couple of fights, but when he's got it going, man, he's special. His timing, his knockout ability, um, bring it. Bring it. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. But those are your latest betting odds. Two and a half. Two and a half rounds. Yeah, I would the, go, taking I would, the over? I would, no, I think I'm taking the under. You're taking the under? I think I'm taking the under there. Somebody's getting knocked out in the... In Real the, quick. Yeah, no, it could be in the third round. Yeah, that's fair. Right? But I don't... I don't they, I'll say this. I don't think it's going five rounds. And I think it's... Yeah. A, two and a half is where it needs to be. I think if a knockout happens, it's either in round two or in round three. Um, if it's a... The biggest surprise to me, if there's like a knockout in the first like minute, that would be... I am not expecting that at all. No. Um, these guys know each other well. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. We are out of time. Didn't have enough time to get into the match. Some of the things uh, that we heard from Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that tool, Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> and Phil Mickelson. We'll, re- we'll, we'll, we'll hit on that some tomorrow. 
possibly some Euro Cup stuff, NBA trade rumors, more betting lines. What what's the most bet on teams by money percentage to win the Super Bowl? Right now, the Bucks are running away with it. By the way, shocking. But uh, we'll get into all of that plus preview game two of the NBA Finals. That's coming up. Tomorrow, it's ESPN1420N.com. That is Charlie Long. I am Scott Prathy. Let's do it again tomorrow morning, my friend. Yeah, for sure. All right, don't go anywhere. Greenies next, ESPN1420.